Appreciate you all. Glad that Dylan knows how to play the cantaloupe crate. That's pretty cool. Only like four people know what a cantaloupe crate is. So, well, we are here in uh, the second week of November. First week of November. First week of November. And we got some fun fall weather. It's cooler. Got rain. Wow, we got rain. That was kind of weird. Haven't had that in a while. Whoa, that's right. Movie trapped me a little bit. And we're talking about this uh, idea of comebacks, right? And last week we kicked that off with uh, um, the parable of the lost things, the lost coins, lost uh, sheep, and the lost son, and a little continuation of that today. And um, this idea that everyone is born lost. And because of that, everyone has to essentially make a comeback to the Father. And started to take a look at the Gospel of Luke um, and the account uh, that Luke wrote. And so if you want to find that today, you're welcome to, to look that up. It's the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, then John, and uh, we'll be in chapter 15 today. Luke actually was not one of the disciples. So um, he, uh, he came after the life of Jesus, but he was a very educated guy. He was a doctor uh, in those times, and uh, he was recruited to research this man named Jesus and uh, basically give a historical account of all the things that Jesus did. And his, his, Luke's gospel was written around uh, 60 AD, which means it was about 25 years after Jesus raises from the dead and ascends into heaven. So um, the life experience of the people that, um, that, Jesus, that, that Luke would have talked to uh, and that Jesus impacted while he was here on the earth, would have been incredibly fresh in their hearts still. Maybe they were little kids when they saw Jesus um, and do miracles, or when they saw him crucified, and then they saw him again afterwards. And so that impact would have still been very fresh in their hearts and their minds. Uh, and then essentially it would appear that Luke talked to all of them um, when he uh, was researching and writing down all of the things for this gospel account. He actually wrote the book of Acts as well. Um, and uh, in chapter 15, we see uh, Luke writes down Jesus sharing a parable. And a parable is just a story, okay? And honestly, it didn't really happen. It was just a story. Most likely it didn't happen, okay? Maybe some pieces of it, I don't know. Highly unlikely that it did not happen because of the intense details of grace that were involved. Because in those days, at the end, the Father extended great grace that probably would not have happened in their culture because that's not the way the world was then. But Jesus shared with all those that were gathered around him. Uh, a bunch of sinners, tax collectors, basically all the people in the world of, of the world that they that were hated, and that's the kind of spirit and attitude that Jesus had. The people were just drawn to him because of the way that he treated them, and because of the way the things that he did for them and the needs that he filled 
for them. And all people, even if they had no reason to, just came to Jesus and listened to him speak. And Jesus used these stories, these earthly stories, these with, uh, with earthly themes, uh, that, but they contained these godly and profound um, uh, themes as well. And, and the gospel was weaved in and out of them through these simple and practical stories that Jesus was telling. So the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, uh, is at the center of our comeback stories. Uh, and today and next week, uh, for sure, we'll be talking about um, the, the younger son and the older son, and then we'll wrap up by talking about the father. But the parable, it has a strong influence on many walks of life, right? And, and it has a very close parallel to people in the midst of a lost culture that we live in today. And um, so here's the story. I'm not going to read it. You can read it. Um, I'm just going to kind of give you uh, the details of the story of the lost son. You can read it in chapter uh, Luke chapter 15 if you'd like to. Um, it starts in verse 11. But basically, here, here it is. There's a man, and uh, he has two sons. And it's a standard family dynamic in those days. And uh, the youngest son, he, he has this grand plan. Uh, he wants his inheritance before his dad dies. And that's the problem. His dad's not dead. And essentially he tells his father that he wants him to be dead so I can have what's coming to me. And so the father gives, he divides his assets up and gives Junior what he asked for. And the youngest boy, this son, takes off. He gathers all he has and he takes off. All the money that he has burning a hole in his tunic. Right? He's going to get out of town and go do whatever he's planned to do. And the son, this younger son, he experiences life. And um, he pays for everyone to experience life with him. Because when you have money, you have friends. That's the way it works, right? And, uh, and eventually, though, he runs out of money because he was paying for everybody. And then when you know it, um, we just kind of piled more on, a famine hits in the land where he's living, this distant country that he goes off to. And he's, uh, so he's got no money, right? He's starving. He has no food. And he has to get a job. And that's hard because he probably didn't have to work a ton. He was more in charge of people that were working. But he gets a job as a hired hand. And he's this Jewish boy feeding pigs, the uncleanest animal that could be that he could be feeding at that time, right? And then the scripture says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, basically, boop, the light bulb goes off, right? The light bulb goes off, and he hits this wall. And, and, and he has this conversation with himself about life back where he was with the father and how good his... His father's servants had it. They even had, they have excess food, and I don't even have anything. Matter of fact, I wish I could eat the food that the pigs are eating right now. And so the son develops another plan. He already had one. It didn't work out, did it? And he develops another plan, and the comeback begins. And the son heads back to the father, and he takes this journey with a plan to ask for forgiveness of his father, yeah, but he can't even get the words out before the father's grace takes over for the son and all that he had done. 
and the comeback is complete, and the party is on, right? That's, that's the, the end of the story in Scripture. And that's really just part one of the story, and that's what we're going to focus on today. We'll handle part two next week. Because there's more to it, but that kind of gives you the idea of what happened with the younger son. Um, and, and so we're going to take a look at the comeback traits, the things that, that all contributed to the comeback of the younger son today. And as we share about this parable, it's important to mention there's, very, there's three very distinct personalities in this story, right? There's the father, um, there's the younger son and the older son. We'll get to the older son next week. Uh, but um, today we, we talk a lot about the younger son, and, and basically uh, these personalities are, are evident in our world all the time. Matter of fact, um, we, we all have some kind of attachment to one of them at least, it seems like, maybe multiple ones. Uh, Henry Nouwen, he was a, a Catholic priest. Um, he wrote a book called The Return of the Prodigal, and his... his uh, in his book, he talks about how everyone in the world experiences some traits of either the father, the younger son, or the older son. We all can have, and like I said, it might be that you have multiple traits, um, and hopefully, eventually, we get to the traits of the father. Because this is called the parable of the lost son, but it really, it's about the father, Right? So the parable also finds uh, three concepts that we're going to talk about today. Um, the lost, that, that, uh, par- uh, concepts about being lost that the younger son displays. That he displays a lost attitude. He displays a lost lifestyle in that he has a lost heart. And today we're going to explore those things a little bit deeper. Uh, um, around our house... Um, our kiddos uh, hear me beat a drum, and they have since they were little, over and over and over. And they, lo- they love it when I say it, um, that there, there, there's two things that you can control. It's your attitude and your effort, all right? And I'm not going to look at either one of them because they're probably both rolling their eyes right now. Yeah. Because they know that I'll, I'll come up with that. This is too hard. This homework is too hard. Well, there's two things that you can control, right? We don't ask you to do, we don't, we don't want you to be the best. We just want you to give the best effort, right? Have a best attitude. And so attitude can be a huge asset in your life or a handicap, right? That's super hard to overcome in our lives. Here, here's case in point. Uh, back in 1995, uh, Nazarene Youth Congress, NYC, uh, for those of you that uh, like acronyms, um, one of the special speakers of that, uh, at that NYC was Heather Whitestone. And Heather was born a healthy baby she, uh, in Alabama. In, in at about 18 months old, she had a terrible ear infection that was followed with a high fever and a viral infection. And... Um, the doctors treated her, said she'll be fine, you're going to be good, and no problem. But a few weeks later, her mom was in the kitchen, and she was playing on the floor, dropped a huge stack of pans. Heather didn't flinch, didn't notice what was going on. One thing leads to another, doctor visits here and there, they end up at the Birmingham Children's Hospital, and she is diagnosed as being profoundly deaf at the age of two. 
She graduated, uh, but, but she learns to read lips growing up, which is hard because at the age of two, you don't really know how to talk a whole lot, so how are you going to know how to speak, let alone read lips and know what they're saying? But she did. She learned how to read lips. And it turns out that it could have been a humongous setback, and it slowed her down for a while. But she ends up getting caught up. In high school, she graduates with a 3.6 GPA. Raise your hand if you would have loved to have a 3.6 GPA in high school. Amen. Yeah. So um, she, she was an outspoken Christian, and she was invited to speak at NYC because um, earlier that year, she was a part of the pageant circuit that she was actually, um, uh, she was named Miss America in 1995, being profoundly deaf and overcome so much. And her message was very simple, that she was approached by so many people, and she had an upbeat attitude, and her life just was lived out of the outpouring of what God had done through her. And they asked her, how do you do this? You're, you have a pretty, um, it's common handicap, but it's hard to deal with. And she said, listen, the only hand, my attitude is my only handicap. So attitude is super important. That could have wrecked her life. And I'm sure that she had days when it was not the easiest of things. But her outlook on life and her walk with God is what drove her. And her attitude was her only handicap. And that would be the opposite of what a lost attitude looks like, right? Well, the younger son in this, this story in Scripture, he has a lost attitude, right? He's the youngest, okay, which meant a lot in those days. And by meaning a lot, it didn't mean much. So um, he was not worth, he wasn't worth a whole lot by being the youngest son in the family. He always got the leftovers of everything. He, uh, so his attitude was pretty stinky, all right? That, that's the, the nice way to put it. He's feeling sorry for himself. He's feeling a lot sorry for himself. Let's just be honest. And the answer, uh, the answer to his problem is not to change his attitude or his effort, okay? Maybe he needed the same drum being beat in his head, right? But instead, he asked his dad for an inheritance, that he did not earn. We don't ever earn an inheritance, but basically what he's saying, you know, when you, when you get an inheritance, yeah, the person is no longer alive. So he's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming to me. And in those days, the, young, the older brother gets two-thirds because he was born first, okay? And the younger brother would have got one-third of the assets. Uh, and so he, that's, that's a lost attitude, it's a all-encompassing, it's about me, poor me, victim-drawn attitude that the, the younger son just wallowed around in. Can you imagine the complaining that was going on around that house all the time? Seems pretty selfish, doesn't it? He probably had a pretty decent life. Dad owned land. He had workers for him. Things were probably pretty decent in his life considering so do we ever have a lost attitude? Maybe, uh, maybe we're not in the area where we say, Dad, I wish you were dead so I can have your money type of situation. 
But our attitudes can drag us into this spiral that's hard to get out of, it, can it? Right? It can cause us to point fingers away from us, and it can cause us to, to say words that we don't really mean. It can cause us to complain about things that are really irrelevant. It can cause us to neglect relationships that we need to be a part of, including your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? This lost attitude of the son drove him just to want to be gone. I'm going to get out. I'm going to leave. I'm going away. And he just wanted to leave. And that's what he did. He ran away. And he ran away to seek some attention, right? The attention that he felt was missing out on at home. And he got the attention while the money was still flowing, right? But uh, he, he wants to kick the tires on a life apart from the father. And the son decides to leave. And believe it or not, life apart from the father did not work out very well, did it? And in our lives, life apart from the father doesn't work out very well. But this younger son, he does go on a run. If you remember the, the traits of a comeback that we talked about last week, how you have a desired hope and a rebel heart, and then you go on a run, and things are going good. Things were, the plan that the younger son made, they were going good because he had some cash in his pocket. He had friends. He had some influence, and life was great. And, and so um, he goes on this run, and that's how all comebacks are, are, are have, have this run, right? And he lives it up, and Scripture says that he squandered his wealth in wild living. Wild living. You can imagine what wild living means, okay? The money runs out. The run comes to an end. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and the younger son doesn't just hit the wall. The, the wall nails him in the face pretty hard, right? And he's got no money and no friends that stick around because he has no money. And at least he's smart enough to get a job when the famine hits, right? He's at least smart enough, okay, I got to get a job. I know that I need something. But the job's feeding pigs, Nothing more ironic than this Hebrew Jewish boy feeding the most unclean animal that, that Jesus could think of when he's telling this story. The details would have made them all gasp. That, and not only that, is he feeding them, he wishes he could eat the food that the pigs are eating. And he's longing just to have something in his belly, so that's what came to mind. But eventually... Eventually, he, came, he overcame this lost attitude. So the younger son, he has this lost attitude, right? And it contributes to a lost lifestyle, right? I remember growing up as a kid on the farm. And uh, listen, I didn't mind that lifestyle. Uh, I didn't really know anything different, so that's why I didn't mind it probably. Um, but I learned to work. I learned to work hard. That's what you did in the 80s on the farm, okay? And uh, I, were, as working as, I was working as a little kid. I can remember five and six years old carrying peck baskets full of 
vegetables into the barn so my folks could clean them up and we could take them to the, take them to the store and sell them and things like that. And the older I got, the more I worked and the more resp- responsibility I gained and the harder I worked and the longer hours I w- that were expected of me. That's the way it worked on the farm, right? Not a glorious lifestyle, though, okay? All, uh, and not, not at all, not, not a glorious, but, you know, there's a lot of sweat. There's a lot of dirt. There's a lot of eating dinner at 9 o'clock at night because that's when the sun finally goes down and everybody's in the house and food got on the table. That's the way it worked. And I, I, I'm not complaining one bit. I love the way that I grew up. I do. And, uh, but there's times when I was in the middle of it that I thought, man, my friends, my friends are all at the pool right now. I know they are. When I'm in the hay barn, putting, you know, sucking in all the dirt and covered in loose hay and dust and sweating like crazy. Man, my friends are all at the hay barn. Right? They're, all at the, they're all at the pool. Or maybe, um, man, they're probably all sitting in the air conditioning right now. Because um, we didn't have it. We didn't have air conditioning. They, my folks still don't have air conditioning. That's the crazy part of it. And, and, those are the attitudes, that, that's the lifestyle that I grew up in and we lived. So I can identify with the younger son just a little bit, okay? Actually, I am the younger son, so it works out good. Um, but I, he was tired of working or being in charge of the workers that he was uh, over. He was sick of getting bossed around by his older brother probably and, and having that over his head. And he was hoping for something more. He wanted more for his life. He was dreaming of bigger things. He had a desired hope for his life, and what he was doing was not it. And so he takes action on his own, and he dips his toes in a totally different lifestyle than he is used to or is ready for him. And that wild living lifestyle, again, I'm sure you can insert your own wild living picture here, okay? And the lost lifestyle that the younger son experiences, one apart from the protection of the father, a lifestyle one apart from the plan of the father. It's a lifestyle that he molded on his very own, and it falls apart super fast. The money runs out, the friends are gone, the friends leave, the influence dissolves, right? And they lost, and this lost lifestyle lands him, lands this younger son right in the pig pen, wishing where he could eat the pig's food. So he has this, this lost attitude, and it leads to a lost lifestyle. And because of that, he has to recognize he had a lost heart. And in verse 17 of Luke chapter 15, it says, When he came to his senses, and some, maybe your uh, translation says, uh, some of them say they insert the word finally. When he finally came to his senses, and I think that's Luke's saying, bro, what took you so long? You're feeding pigs, but let's get back. Let's go. He recognized he was lost. He knew where he was, but he recognized he was lost. He comes to the realization that he has a lost heart. And his lost heart is what led to the lifestyle he's been leading and to the the attitude that he had. And so it just snowballed into something that 
And so you can imagine the, the, the emotion, the rush of emotion that that would bring on as he's sitting there feeding the pigs, and he's thinking about the father. He's thinking about his father. Oh, he won't, he won't let me be his son anymore, but maybe I could be his servant. And he's replaying, he's playing these scenarios in his head. And maybe, maybe he just figured out the father wrote him off because that's what happened in those days. And that's what, what he had done to the father. He wrote him off. Dad, I wish you were dead. Well, would the father have had an excuse to not? Yeah, he could have wrote him off because that's the way he was treated. And he realized his lost heart had broken the father's heart. And this younger son begins his comeback. And he leaves behind the lost attitude. And he leaves behind the lost lifestyle. And he leaves behind his lost heart. And he comes back. In verse 20, he says, it says, So he got up and he went to his father. The comeback was on. And later we'll talk about how he was received. But this younger son, remember, remember how the comeback has these five different things. That we, the, the, the desired hope of the younger son was what? He, he wanted to be on his own. I'm tired of being the low man on the totem pole. He wants the departure from the father. He wants what's coming to him, and he got it, didn't he? And he, he had a rebel heart, and this rebel heart that he had devised a plan to make, make that, that departure happen, to get where he thought he needed to go and, and make, it, make it happen. And he took his money, and he headed to his distant country, and he goes on a run with his friends and the money and all the wild living and the things that are, are surrounded by that. And guess what happens? The fourth, the fourth thing that happens, there's always a, a run and there's always a wall. And he didn't even try and go around it. He hits the wall. And the last thing happens at the end of the story with this outrageous grace from the father. From, the son, from there... When, when he decides that when he's sitting there in the pig pen, the younger son has a decision to make, doesn't he? He could have held on to the lost attitude and maybe let it drag him down even more. I don't know how you can get lower than feeding the pigs and with no money and no food and no prospects of making it better, but he could have just wallowed around it even more. He could have held on to the lost lifestyle that he was living. Maybe find his own way back. Oh, I'm going to get out of this. I can steal some money. I'll steal some money. I'll steal some food. He could get further away from the father to a more distant place, make his life even worse. Has that ever happened where we make those decisions? He could have done all of that. He could have held on to his lost heart. And blamed everybody that he saw for his problems. He could have moved on and continued to follow what he was chasing. I'm just going to get on to the next thing and live town to town until he wore his, his welcome out and just continue to fill his life with his self in a life where the father was absent continuously. 
but he decides to come back. And maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe you've, you've had a lost attitude lately. Maybe that's where you're living. And it's driven you away from a life in the presence of the Father, just like the younger son. Maybe you've been living a lost lifestyle. Uh, you realize that the lifestyle is separate from the protection and the care and the will of the Father, um, th- that your life is falling apart. Maybe you realize that you have a lost heart and you're in a place where, he, where you've come uh, you're in a place where you've come to your own senses, where your life, where life on your own, it's just not working, where your plan that you came up with is causing more harm to you and those around you than it, it is good, right? Where you recognize that the Father has done for you, what he's done for you is life-changing. Well, maybe you can make that come back today. Maybe today is where you take the step towards the Father. Maybe you don't make it all the way back, but you turn around and take that step back where you come to your senses and you start to have that conversation inside your heart like the, the younger son did about how maybe it wasn't so bad where the Father was. Because it's a choice we all have to make at some point in our lives as, uh, as we decide who we're going to follow. Are we going to follow ourselves and squander our lives in, in wild living? Or are we going to go back, come back to the Father and His protection and His will in His life? So as we finish up today, we're going to pray and, uh, and close this service. But I encourage you to search your own lives today and, and submit Submit and surrender your lost attitude and surrender your lost lifestyle to him and surrender your lost heart to him. And, and then experience the outrageous grace of God on your life because that's what's coming if we just surrender and we come back. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are a gracious God and that we, when, when we take a wrong turn, when we intentionally hurt our own prospects, we hurt others, when our lives take a, a detour that we, of our own making, the Father, you're there with open arms to, to uh, greet us, to, to accept us back, regardless of where we've been or what we've done or who we've become. And Lord, we know that your grace is sufficient for us, no matter what we've done. And we're thankful for this story that uh, Jesus tells us that, um, that is so pertinent in our lives because it's so easy just to wander away, to get away from where you want us to be. There's so many things in this world that are pulling us in so many different directions that, that uh, tempt us to go in one way or the other and lead us away from where you are. But Father, as we, we think about our lives, we just surrender today to our, surrender our lost attitude 
that, that we'll look at life through your lens, your heart, and see the world for, for what you saw it as. And that, that we'll surrender our lost lifestyle. The, the things that we do to our bodies, the things that we do with others for entertainment or whatever we do, the, the life that we live will be a reflection of you, not something that we run away from you from. And Lord, we just we want to surrender our lost heart today. Lord, that you will take control of the things that, that we do in our lives and that everything that we say and our actions will be something that you have placed there, that will be a mirror reflection of what your spirit does in our lives, just an overflow of, of grace and love in, in a world that's lost and hurting. And help us to be that type of person that can make change for the kingdom of heaven because of what you do in our lives, because we've come back to you. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful, Father, that you work in our hearts every day. Help us to be obedient to what you have to say to us and to give us the courage to do what you ask us to do because it's not always easy. And we just ask for that today. Lord, we go with a smile on our face and join our hearts today knowing that you are there with us just like you were with so many in Scripture as we read with Joseph and with David and with Moses and uh, with your disciples as they built the early church and as, they, as so many people that have come before us. Lord, we go knowing that you are with us and we take that to heart today. Use us in a great and powerful way in your kingdom, in this community, Lord. We love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great day. We hope to see you tonight, 5 o'clock, out at Roga Pumpkin Patch. We'll see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.